In today's episode, once again, we speak to the beautiful, the amazing Nafisa Allen. Nafisa is a trained migration scholar and a multicultural communications expert with over 15 years of government expertise. Dr. Nafisa Allen elevates diverse perspectives into well-researched mainstream editorial content. Her business focuses on ghostwriting, magazine writing, book editing, content and copywriting for startups, as well as ongoing business writing for venture and private equity firms. She's a regular contributor to acclaimed publications like Forbes, Real Simple, Bethlehem's and Gardens, Dwell House, Beautiful, as well as Huffington Post. Let's speak to Nafisa and find out how you can create a life by design. Let's find out. And remember, if you want to elevate your money mindset, then click on the link www.millionairefoundations.com and watch my free training. Money Mindset with Girl Khan podcast will help you to break free from your limiting beliefs, reverse your money shame and blast through your money blocks so that you can live a life of unlimited abundance. In this podcast, we will talk about energy tools and mindset strategies that will help you to understand and change your relationship with money, whether you're in a job, profession or working on your passion. Change your relationship with money to change your life. I'm your host, Gul Khan. Let's get started. Welcome, welcome. This is Gul Khan, your money mindset expert. And once again, we have the amazing, the beautiful, the charming Nafisa Allen. Welcome, Nafisa. Hi, Gul. So great to be here with you. Thank you so much for coming back, Nafisa. We had such a wonderful conversation on Friday Future. Now we, we had to have you back for Money Talkies. Now, Nafisa, everyone's heard your intro once again, so they know how amazing you are. But please, in your own words, Tell everybody what it is that you do. Hi, everybody. Um, I'm Dr. Nafisa Allen. I am an independent researcher and writer. I run an editorial strategy and content business. Um, in addition to being a world traveler and nomad mom, I have two uh, and a half kids. <laughs> I'm pregnant now. Um, and my husband and I have traveled around the world with my career. Uh, and thankfully, I've been able to build businesses that travel with me. So I'm um, looking forward to sharing more about that today. Wonderful. So that leads us on to today's topic, which is how to create a life by design. Now, we touched upon this on Friday because you really have created a life by design. So you've got this uh, amazing job, which takes you all over the world. And you get to experience different cultures, different uh, communities, uh, you know, being a, working as a diplomat. At the same time, you've built this amazing business around your family and around your work. So talk us through how does someone start with this? You know, talk us through how, how does someone start? I mean, I'm not, not, this isn't right for everybody. So let's be very clear. Everyone has a different idea of what they want to create. So if someone has a life that they want to create, how do they even begin this process? Yeah, well, I think most of us, uh, folks like me, um, you know, who kind of fell into this, usually there's a rupture of some sort, right? There's some, there's something that happens where mm. your life as you imagined it is not adding up to whatever dreams, you know, you had. Um, and for me, that really happens around 2019, 2020. I had my, my second child. Um, work was getting really, really hard. I had uh, a lot of pregnancy sort of issues happening in the office. That I really uh, struggled with and just had a huge identity rupture with my job and thought, okay, I've got to rethink this. And of course, like most people, I thought, oh my God, I'm going to quit this thing today. I'm, you know, leaving right now and stomping out of the door. But of course I had just had, a, you know, a new baby and thought I can't afford to do that. 
Um, and instead, uh, thankfully, I found, you know, folks like you and others who really just helped me think about, you know, why did I get into this in the first place? Mm. I did this because I've always loved living abroad. I've always loved communications. And I thought I'd be able to, for the long haul, um, design a life where I could do, I could do both. And I didn't feel like I was giving anything up. And I'd always said, I'm quitting this job whenever I feel like it's getting in the way of living. I'm going to quit my job. And a few of my friends were like, is now the time? Is now the time? And I thought, you know, maybe it's just a matter of mindset and being strategic about where I live, where I go, the types of things I allow at work and the boundaries I place around myself. And maybe I can get that back. And so uh, I took about six to, I say six to eight months of just, you know, storyboarding, just brainstorming, whiteboarding, reading every possible book on entrepreneurship, every possible book on productivity, and, and came up with a few that I absolutely love that kind of changed my life. Um, and with that, just tried to figure out what were the skills that I really, really, really wanted to dig into that I wasn't really doing at my day job that I wanted to give to the world. And so with that and those, you know, big ideas, I launched, um, I launched a business, uh, an internal strategy business that really does encompass all those passions. Mm. And I found that doing that during, you know, my quote unquote off hours um, has been really like empowering and rejuvenating and really refreshing in a way that still allows me to enjoy my day job and give the best there, but also have an outlet for uh, the things that I really need to, to keep mm. going and feeling energized as a creative person. I mean, you, you, you seem to have the ideal scenario where you're able to really enjoy your day job. You really do well in that. But there were some, some elements of you frustrated and upset and a bit, bit unsatisfied with the day job. And once you, you were able to have an creative outlet for, for, you know, for your, you know, create, you know, creativity and so forth, it made you, as you may, I think you mentioned in the last segment, it made you a nicer person at work too, because now you were no longer frustrated. You're no longer annoyed, you know, with not having that creative aspect to it, where, because you can channel that in your, in your business. At the same time, so you can give your business, your, your, your job, the, the dedication and the, the mind, the, the headspace rather to do whatever needs to be done. And then your creativity and everything else that, that you lacked in your job, you're able to channel into your business. And therefore you had best of both worlds. Now it takes a lot of discipline to be able to do this especially with young family so when someone listens to this can say well okay Nafisa you know maybe you're just the odd one out you can you know balance your job with a a side side business I don't know how to do that and I've got and I've got a young family as well what would you say to that yeah Um, I would say for me the journey really started with productivity hacking and Mm -hmm. I it took a really long time for me to make space in my life for another business and even for the kids, honestly. Mm. I think I was pouring so much of my personal sense of value into my job for so long that I just couldn't imagine that I would ever have the time for kids or ever have the time to be a creative. Um, And I'll say one of the books that really uh, got me, just like got me, uh, what's called Essentialism. And I don't know if you've ever read it, but the book is really about thinking about your legacy a hundred years after you've died. And it's thinking, you know, is anybody going to remember me for having swept the floors, you know, on a Friday night before my friends came over for a party? You know, is anybody going to remember that time I sent that, you know, nasty email about, you know, hey, you didn't turn this thing in on time? Like, it's really these big, massive, you know, legacy building activities that people are going to remember about you 
you mm. know, long after you're gone. And I thought, I think that book just kind of woke me up out of the minutia of, you know, hey, you don't have to dig in so deep on every little thing at work and feeling like, you know, this is going to be who you are and how people are going to think of you, right? I had to kind of let a lot of that go mm-hmm. and make space for, you know, what did I really want my legacy to be? And so mm-hmm. a lot of that was in the creative space. And like, I'm thinking of, you know, being the Basquiat's or, you know, the people who've written these amazing books, right? And we still read them a hundred years after they've gone. And for me, I thought I want to be able to leave that, that big, I don't know, aha creativity um, for people to, to see, to, to enjoy. And I mean, my kids are part of that too, right? Mm-hmm. In a way, yeah. they're, they're what I leave the world. And so I had to kind of take a step back, make space for those things um, and those experiences in my own life. And I feel like, again, I kind of go back to the office with a lot more of a measured approach, right? Yeah. Like, we've got time. I don't have to push. We don't have to force, right? There's, there's ease here, right? There can be, there can be grace around the way that we work together and we can do great things without having to constantly feel like our identity is on the line. And mm. for me, that took an awful lot of time, <laughs> but here we are. And, and I think I've come out stronger on the other side and, and frankly, just really excited about what I can build, right? My companies, I, I'm hiring people, I'm bringing on teams that are learning this as well, and mainly women um, around the world and being able to teach them the same, you know, as they start to dig in, I'm like, hey, 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 chill out, you know, like, we got this, you know, I got your back, and I can create a work environment at my company that I I think mimics what I wished I had had earlier Mm -hmm. on in my career experience, so it's been a beautiful journey, but it was, it was not easy. (laughs) No, I wouldn't have thought so anyway. Now, talking a bit more about this idea of making space, because I love that. I think if somebody is looking at creating a life by design, you have to make space for it. And I go to the old, you know, I remember when we used to do this, um, you know, Millionaire Mindset Makeover Challenges, which is right back from 2018, 19, whatever. I remember the, the thing that I used to talk about quite a lot was making space in your life. And I talked about money. So in terms of, you know, decluttering and so forth. But if you take that principle into this element, it's the right thing. So if your life is so occupied with everything you're doing, there's no space for new things to show up. So you have to make space for it. So I love the fact that you said, I made space for it in my life by, by you know, reading productivity books and other things and realize I'm wasting my time. Um, your time's going to be taken up by, book, you know, either books or TV or something mundane or gossip. It's, it, it, it will be taken up. There's no way around it. And so if you, when you're creating a life by design, you can make space and choose, you know, what you're going to be spending your, your, your day on. But I think far too many people say, I don't have the time. I'm too busy. And they ignore the fact that they are wasting hours, precious hours in their life by not making space for their ideal life and, you know, creating a life by design. Um, I absolutely love that comment. I absolutely love it. The next thing I want to ask is, okay, so if someone be like, you know, is thinking, okay, okay, if you I've read books like Essentialism, and I've, um, you know, I've, I've take, I've eliminated all my, you know, time that I'm wasting. I'm no longer, I'm still doing my nine to five. It takes me an hour to commute there, and an hour to come back, and in that, in the commute, I'm either reading a book or listening to an audio book or something. So I'm, I'm doing all the learning. And I have got three hours in the evening, but there isn't much time, you know, I, how, you know, I don't, I, I work and work and work and I don't see the results. How do I, you know, persevere through this? How do I see the light at the end of the tunnel? If I, if all I see is darkness around me. 
And that is yeah. the case with a lot of people when they first start off doing business. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, number one, I think it's first just acknowledging that the trauma response is there, right? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of us are facing, you know, feelings of, um, you know, survivorship, right? Like if we don't go to work, we're not going to be able to pay our bills. Exactly. It feels very, very, you know, existential, um, you know, our financial freedom and our financial dependence on our, on our careers. And I think first and foremost, you just have to acknowledge that that is true. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you, if you try to chase your tail on it being anything else, <laughs> you know, you're gonna, you're gonna run yourself ragged without just recognizing that, yeah, these pressures are here. These pressures are what you're trying to cope with. You're doing your level best. You're probably exhausted. You're probably burned out. Um, all of those things are absolutely true. And a certain level of, you know, letting yourself acknowledge that and knowing it's not your fault is really important. So, you know, taking that time. The other part I feel like is recognizing that there's only so much, you know, same thing we talked about this before, you know, time and money, right? There's only so much time in the day. So if you are trying to tie your earnings to how many hours you're working, mm-hmm. you will never have enough. It's just not going to work, right? If it, if it's a thousand dollars an hour, yeah. right? You're 100%. still going to run into a wall and go, darn, I wish I was making more. So you have to really think about the ways that you can earn without having to constantly give service of your time in exchange. And and I will say, this is something that comes up a lot for women. Women tend to get into service-oriented businesses as opposed to product-oriented businesses. So often we're trying to trade, you know, an hour of our editing time or an hour of our coaching time in exchange for whatever we're offering, right? As opposed to something that can be offered digitally or something that can be offered by, you know, mail or shipped, um, which doesn't require any more of our time other than creating that product from the beginning. So I think it's definitely a mindset shift that has to happen. But once you kind of carve out your time, you have to really think about your energy, right? Like what gives you, what gives you energy? As a writer, you know, I will, I will stay up until like 3 a.m. and like, wake up rejuvenated at 5 a.m. if I was writing. Mm-hmm. If I am doing literally anything else, <laughs> including some of the minute tasks of my real estate business until 3 a.m., I am dead. You know, I am not waking up until 5 p.m. the next day because that's just not what gives me energy. So I think if you're really trying to think about ways to maximize your income, find the right things to put your time, your limited amount of time into, it has to be things that really feel energetically strong for you Mm. and make you sort of recuperate some of that draining that's coming out of your other activities. I think this is the, I think you just hit the nail on the head. Uh, I wish I can give credit to it. I think maybe it's been Brock Pochter who said, if you make what you love, as part of your role as a job, as a, as, as a way to make money, you will never work a day in your life because you have fun doing what you do. And I remember when I first heard this, I thought, really? Because we've all grown up with the idea that job needs to be hard. It's something that you don't like. It's something that you don't enjoy. And it should be painful because so, it's not um, something explicit. It's stuff in, something we've internalized. So everyone complains about the job. And it doesn't matter if you're a doctor, lawyer, architect, you can really be interested in those um, in those disciplines initially but once it becomes a job it's just a job and everyone complains about the job i hope you are enjoying today's episode if you want to learn more about my mindset strategies and energy tools to help you change your money mindset then please register for my abundance mindset makeover workshop by visiting www.abundance.com 
mindsetmakeover.com. See you inside the workshop. Now, if you can do something that you absolutely love and adore, then somehow that's wrong. Um, but that's what you need to, that's what you need to do to create it. And so I, when I look at them in my own life, I have multiple, multiple different businesses. And I know exactly what you mean. If I do, if I dealt with the, with the real estate, oh my God, that's, that, that drives me crazy. Dealing with tenants and other things and estate agents. Oh my God, that just drains me so much. And then, you know, I've got my other business that I'm doing and that's not so bad either. It's okay. But the, 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 the role that the business that gives me the gets me most energized and brings me the most joy and happiness is my coaching business and for that reason I've kept it going even though there were multiple times where I could have let go and and done something else and you know my podcast we're not monetizing at the moment hardly anything so we I do it because of my passion because I love talking to entrepreneurs like yourself and love putting my you know heart and soul into it so the things which bring me most joy I'm not fussed about making money, but whereas I know, I know in the long run, my podcast, whatever, will be very, very profitable. We've got hit the million downloads or whatever else and recognition is coming our way, but I've not run after it. I've never asked for it because I love doing it. So when I'm doing this, even this, I'm, I'm recording this episode on when it's actually Eid, by the way, Eid Mubarak, by the way, <laughs> I forgot to say that to you, so. <laughs> yeah, we're both working on Eid, uh, but it doesn't feel like work. It feels like I'm having a conversation with a friend, which we are. So it's yeah. it's when you take your what you are passionate about and incorporate it into a business that you can monetize, that's when you never work because you're you're having fun all the time. You're enjoying it. It energizes you, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, you know, I think you brought up a lot of really good points. Um, I you know, I think it's almost a generational shift. I, I have been mentoring a number of people lately and they've been talking to me like, oh my God. When did you know that your career was your passion? And I was like, what? I don't know my career is my passion. Is it my passion? Um, I, you know, I agree. Like I kind of grew up with, you know, mentors and people around me who were like, you're not supposed to love your job, right? Mm -hmm. Like your job is a thing that you do. You do well. You get, you know, you give yourself of service, but you're not supposed to like, you know, cry about it on a Saturday night, right? Like that's not what this is supposed to be. You're supposed to do, and, and you know, I grew up with boomers. Like, so, you know, yeah. I think they often worked in, you know, sort of like really technical careers where it wasn't about like, you know, I'm going to be the CEO of this company. It was just yeah. like, I need a paycheck. I'm going to, you know, feed my family and I'm going to do good work during that time. Yeah. So I feel like for me, I was often around people who were very deeply passionate about, everything we were doing and I felt really out of place being like no I'm satisfied with this like this is this is fine but like I am not you know I'm not again not going home crying about it but at, there came a point I think in the middle of my career where I felt like I had to do some like I don't know like I had I had to show loyalty through feeling very 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 dedicated to this work like I had to ah, give everything okay. right you know I think I came into it being like oh no it's fine it's a great job it pays the bill it's fine it's cool no big deal <laughs> um, and then at some point I don't know I got into leadership roles where I had to lead teams I had to inspire people and at some point I think I kind of I don't know I don't want to say brainwash myself but at some point I really mm -hmm. got into like I am this title, right? I'm not a person, but I'm a title. And that took a really long time to just kind of like wash away and just go, no, right? You're the same little girl who wanted to travel the world and, yeah. you know, meet people and like eat strange food and, you know, tell people about your culture and learn about theirs. Like at some point, you know, you've got to walk away from all of the trappings of, you know, whatever success can look like and sounds like. Um, and 
I realized, you know, I don't have, again, I don't have to embody a title. I can just do great work, be myself, be honest, be authentic and show up. And actually I enjoy doing that. Like that's fun. That's what I want to do. Um, but again, I think when people really think about how much they have to give to their careers or what they feel like is the social contract they have with their colleagues or even their institution, you can overgive, you know, you can give to a point where, you know, we've talked about this before, like you look at your hourly rate and you're like, oh my God, I'm overworking so much that my hourly rate is like a pittance because, you know, I, I overwork, I give yeah. too much and I'm drained. It's not quality at that point either, right? Especially where I work, it's on this creative and strategy. My 12th hour of strategy is pretty terrible. My second hour of strategy is extremely valuable and useful. And I've gotten to the point where I've said, you know what? I'm going to give that, you know, however many hours where it's valuable and useful, the rest of the performance I'm, I'm not doing. And when I realized that, you know, I had all this extra energy, I had all this, again, creativity for new projects, mm. I think it just really transformed what I felt like my love for my job was or my love for my creative passions could be. It really just transformed my relationship again with myself. And mm. so this company has allowed me to sort of demonstrate that. But I think, um, yeah, as people sort of think about why they got into any of this stuff in the first place, right? What about this was was exciting to you when you were in college or at high school when you thought of this? And kind of just take it back to that essential, you know, nugget. Figure out what that looks like in the job market now, especially for folks who, you know, have been in the job market for 10, 20, 30 yeah. years. Yeah. You might not know. You might be thinking, you know, oh my God, there's nothing out there for me. But again, this digital world, this remote working world, entrepreneurship, there's so many spaces where people are like, finding that one little niche thing that no one offers that they really like and you know, charging for it. And I found a lot of people fear charging, you know, they fear yeah. charging for things they love. You know, it's like, oh no, this is a joy. You don't have to pay me. And I think you above anyone else has been like, nope, <laughs> <laughs> you have to charge for that. Um, and, and no matter how uncomfortable it gets, I think mm -hmm. the thing that really makes me I'm sure that I need to charge for that is that I want to be able to sustainably do that for others 10, 20, exactly, years exactly. And if I'm burned out today because I'm doing it for free and I feel overworked and it's not really giving back, then, you know, I can, I can pretty much ensure a really short lifespan, you know, of joy around that activity. I think. 100%, you know, 100%. It's yeah. huge. Yeah, 100%. I think that you need to feel joy. And this sounds crude, but joy only comes when you are paid for it. And also, I always talk about exchange of energies. If you ha if someone hasn't paid for your services, they will not appreciate it because there has been no or very little exchange of services, um, energies rather. And so people who pay more appreciate more. That just goes without saying. It really is. And so I'm going to give an example here of a, of a story that I read recently of this. I can't remember the individual's name, but he is this world-renowned, famous pian um, violinist. And, uh, he, and he has this violin which costs like $300,000 or something ridiculous, right? Um, it's, you know, it's a couple of hundred years old as well. And so he, when he plays for in for you know for for these uh, his sessions or whatever these are, these are these events, he charges I think um, a ridiculous amount and a ticket to go and see him is about around about two hundred pounds two hundred dollars a month. Okay, and they did an experiment and they had him 
use the same violin, which is over $300,000 and play in a, in a, you know, in a, I think near a tube station or something like that, like, you know, who's busking, right? And the same person who pay, people pay minimum of $200 to go and watch when he was playing in that environment, okay? And he was doing for free and people were just paying him. I think he barely made like $10 and hardly anybody stood to listen to this person who was world renowned. Because he was doing it for free, he was doing it in that environment, nobody appreciated him, nobody paid him attention. And so when he did it, the same played the same exact piece in in um in the I think when he at his at his one of his events, he got a standing ovation. Yeah. So this yeah. this really highlights, you know, you have to value your craft before other people value it. And the more they pay you for it, the more they value it because they can see the value in it. When you offer it for a low price or for free, then people dismiss it and they're like, yeah, it's okay. You know, it's not that great. Right. And it's also about finding finding people who will appreciate it, right? 100%, you know, yeah. like people just, you know, walking by her on their way to go get groceries, right? When coming for the violin, right? Like, Sure, it's great, but that's not what they're here for. Exactly. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, as people think about entrepreneurship, they often are really discouraged by those moments when they're not well paid because Mm -hmm. essentially they were on those subway tracks and they should have been in the theater. Exactly. Um, 100%. And that comes with being being the the lighthouse for the right types of clients, right? 100%. Correctly for people who truly need your services, who are willing to pay for it who value your time and attention and who really appreciate. And, you know, and I, I hear, I hear you in terms of like how much you charge. And I think sometimes people are afraid to charge what they really deserve because like you said, they're in the subway, right? Yeah, exactly. So you get, you get used to being under, under, underpaid. You get used to, especially, you know, in writing, there are a billion writers. You can go on Fiverr right now and you'll find somebody who charges, you know, $5 an article. Mm. Um, and maybe that works for some some people's businesses, not for the ones that I serve. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, hey, there's a client for everybody, and I think that's really important as people start to build, you know, businesses. Is just thinking about who do you want to serve, right? Who can you serve that's going to appreciate you, compensate you well, and that you can over deliver to them, right? I I always think like I think I'm charging. You know, I get freaked out with pricing. I it still does it like. Three years later, I still freak out at how much. Well, remember the phrase I always say, always aim to give 10 times in value back yeah. or any money right. received. And so if you are aiming right. to, be able to give what you know the same value back that you've charged, it's not the same thing. But if you aim to give 10 times right. in value back, that is when you're over-delivering. And you should. No doubt about yeah. it. Yeah. And I think, it's you know, as an owner of a business, again, you have to really know your industry, right? You have to know, you have to know what value looks like truly right it's yes. not again it's not over it's not over writing or you know staying on the client call for extra hours necessarily sometimes it's giving them what they don't even know they need right 100%. it's helping them boost their business in ways they never even thought of so I think all of those you know again just go back to valuing yourself you know valuing your time even that time that you're not spent in the moment with the client that research that you know building up your own skill set developing yourself as an entrepreneur benefits everybody that you, you know, you work with or you serve. And so all of that needs to be part of, you know, your compensation structure and your own energy level that you really have to, you have to value it and appreciate it. It's part of being a business owner. 
Fabulous. On that note, we're going to wrap it up. What's your parting comments for someone who, who's thinking about, you know, creating their life, but they, they get disillusioned for exactly the same reason. You know, they don't find the right clients and they don't think they're charging enough and then they get afraid of charging more. You know, what's your parting oh. comments to individuals who are trying, who are on the journey of creating a life by design? I think you have to be willing to throw away all the playbooks. Uh, you know, it, often when people start a business, they say, you know, you're going to have a hundred rejections. You just need one yes. And I think that's true for every aspect of designing your life, right? Whether that's, mm-hmm. you know, you want to have a, the perfect spouse, right? You can date a hundred people, but you just have to find that one yes, right? You have to find what works for you and lean into that and really embrace it. Again, like know what brings you energy, know what brings you positivity and don't just ignore it because it doesn't look the way everybody says it would. Um, when it comes to really just owning your own stuff, <laughs> right? Owning your own stuff and knowing your own gifts, it's gonna look very unique. Um, entrepreneurship journeys are really messy. They tend to be things that people are going to tell you no and tell you you're crazy a lot. I get it all the time. People are like, oh my God, you're crazy for doing that thing. And it works out and it's it's risk-taking, right? But it's calculated risk-taking. So as much as I can um, ask people to really just affirm themselves, affirm their own journey and take stock of what brings them positivity and energy, I think if you keep going with that, you can't go wrong. Wonderful, wonderful. And so tell us, Nafisa, how can we connect with you? Where can you find you on the internet? Sure. I am easiest to find on my website, which is nafisaallen.com. And there you'll find my bilingual children's books, uh, some of my client work with magazines, as well as some of the ghostwriting that I do for funders and founders. Um, otherwise, I'm also on um, Instagram and Twitter at my handle, the Blackspat, B-L-A-X-P-A-T. Wonderful. So if you are listening to us on the podcast, the links for Nafisa will be in the show notes. And if you're watching on YouTube down below in the description section, you'll have the links for Nafisa to go check her out. She's one kick-ass lady. I know because I've worked with her um, and she's worked with me as a client and she is fabulous. And so I know everything that she's talking about through most of the stuff we, we've been through together. And but I know the quality of her work. So definitely check her out and see how she can support you in your business. Well, thank you so much for coming, Nafisa. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thank you for sharing um, your insights with us. Thank you for having me, Gold. And thank you for listening to me, Nafisa, today on uh, Money Talkies. I will be back with another amazing guest finding out how you and I can build a better business. Until the next time we meet, this is Gold Khan signing off. Take care and bye for now. If you want to learn more about my energy tools and mindset strategies, then please visit my website, www.gulkhan.com. And if you want to take part in our five-day abundance mindset makeover workshop, where I deep dive into energy tools for abundance, then please go to www.abundancemindsetmakeover.com and register. I look forward to being your mentor in the next workshop. And if you want to learn about the spiritual laws of money, then go and get my book, Laws of Money, from www.lawsofmoney.com. Until the next time we meet, this is Gul Khan signing off. Take care and bye for now.